Let's pray together. Fathers, we now prepare to open your word. Would you speak to us? Would you, would you fulfill what you said about your word, that it never returns void? Allow me, God, now to teach it rightly. And Holy Spirit, would you come and show us that you, you God, are the answer. We all have something in our life. We have maybe several things in our lives, and we need your help. Help us see today, oh God, that you are the help we need, that you are our only hope. And Lord, bring glory to yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As we've been uh, celebrating Advent in this Christmas season, we've been walking through the Song of Mary, the Magnificat. It is found in Luke chapter 1. And what we see happening in this story is that Mary's faith is becoming sight. This song is her response to the reality of what is happening. Because the angel Gabriel came to her and said, okay, Mary, you're going you're gonna to have the, the son of God. And she's like, wait a minute, I'm a virgin. He said, that's right, and you, you are. And, and he's going to come upon you, and the virgin will give birth. And so she's got this amazing secret, this, this unbelievable thing that's happening in the world. And then the angel says, and your, your relative Elizabeth, who's been barren, she too is pregnant. She's in her sixth month. And so Mary, having received this word from God, is now given an opportunity to see that, that God's word is true and that what is happening is real. So she goes to see Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth hears her voice, John the Baptist in her womb leaps for joy. And Elizabeth says to Mary, how is it that you, the mother of my Lord, would come to me and begins to celebrate and begins to say to her, your faith, your faith is real. What you've believed in, it's the real thing. And so in that moment, Mary's faith has become sight. And she is inspired by the word of God, surely, but by the Holy Spirit, because it's now in his word, to sing this song. And so what we see in this song is the significance of God. We see how great and good God is. It also reveals to us our needs. So if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go ahead and take it to Luke chapter 1. Clayton and Holly Shepherd are going to read for us. And so guys, if y'all would come on up. And what we see uh, today, what we're going to see today, as we look in, particularly at verses 54 and 55, is that God is our help. He is the one who can do what, what is necessary in our, our lives. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Yes. And Clayton, first, introduce us to your family. All right. This is Holly and John Clayton. Uh, right. And Bryce. <laughs> Bryce has been very fired up today. <laughs> Clayton, if you would read for us uh, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those in humble estate. He has filled the hunger with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. The word of God. Thanks, you guys. If y'all would, go ahead and, and be seated. This, uh, this text, verse 54 and 55, it debunks a lie that has been circulated in our society that is not true. 
There's a lie. I'm, I'm sure that most of you have heard it. I'm going to go ahead and say it, but understand I'm, what I'm saying to you is a lie right now, okay? So don't write this down as a note. This is a lie. Don't write this down. Here's the lie. God helps those who help themselves. That's a lie. How many of you ever heard that lie before? That is a lie. It's not true. God helps those who have faith in Jesus. That's who God helps. God helps those who have faith in him. Now understand, everybody in this room, every one of us right here, we have faith in something. The question is not how much faith do we have. The question is in what do we have our faith? Here's the thing. Depending on what the object of your faith is, that, that will determine everything for you. Understand, the greater the object of your faith, the less faith that is necessary. Here's the thing. If your faith is in the eternal, almighty God, then you can have the faith the size of a mustard seed and something significant will be the outcome. If you have faith in a created thing, and that's what some do, they have faith in themselves. They have, that's where that lie comes from. God helps those who help themselves. It's this idea that I can have faith in myself. Or if, I have, if your faith is placed in an object or another person, maybe your children, your spouse, the person you're dating, maybe it's your job, your health, if that's what you're counting on to give you peace and joy and love, you can have great faith. You can have a, a huge amount of faith. But here's the thing. You're going to be disappointed with the outcome. It will be insignificant no matter how much faith you have because the object is small. The object of our faith is crucial and determines everything about our life. You guys know I love Dr. Tony Evans. I, I listen to him regularly. If you've never heard Dr. Tony Evans preach, please Google him and please listen to, if anything, his teaching on the kingdom of God. It is so powerful. One of the stories he tells, he tells it a lot. I, I love the story. I love it every time he tells it. It's about about how he was supposed to go from Dallas to Iowa and he was supposed to preach there and his wife was going to go with him. But then news got out that there was a strike or something. They were supposed to fly Delta. The flights were canceled and so they weren't going to be able to fly a commercial airline and so they didn't know what they were going to do but it turns out that someone had a, a, a twin engine plane that was going to fly down to Dallas and pick them up and so he went home and said, bad news, uh, the flight was canceled. Good news, they're going to send a, a, a twin engine plane and you know it's a small but we'll be able to fly there and she said, I'm not going. And he said, why not? Say, I'm not going that little bitty plane. He said, where's, you know, where's, your, where's your faith? He said, are you lacking faith? She said, no, you're lacking plane. <laughs> so a few days later, the strike's over. Whatever happens, they get a Delta flight. She's going to be on a huge. He comes home and he says, well, it's too bad you're not going because now we're going to be able to fly on Delta. She goes, oh, I'm going now. He said, oh, do you have newfound faith? She said, no, you got a newfound plane. <laughs> the object is important. The object of your faith, whatever it is. See, if, if, you're, if the object is big enough, it doesn't require a lot of faith. If the object is small and minute, it requires a great deal of faith. But the reality is the outcome doesn't deter, isn't determined by how much faith we have. It's determined by the object of our faith. God has called us to have faith in him. And those who have faith in God receive his help. Whatever it is you're depending upon to help you, that is your, understand what I'm saying now, that is your practical savior. What are you counting on to save you? 
What are you counting on to give you peace? What are you counting on to make you feel loved? What are you counting on to make you feel significant? Is it your children? Is it your spouse? Is it your, the person you're dating right now? Is it your job? Is it your looks? Is it your health? Is that what really you're counting on to satisfy the longing in your soul? Everyone in this room believes in something. Everyone is placing their faith in something or someone to meet that need. And I want to warn you with this. I want to remind you of this, but it's also a warning. You and I, we're eternal beings. You and I, if the Lord tarries, are going to physically die, but we will never cease to exist. You and I are now eternal. And the need that we have in our life to be loved, to have significance, to have forgiveness is eternal. So the only one who can meet the ultimate need of our life must be an eternal being who loves us and can save us and who cares about us. If you as an eternal being put that kind of demand and need on your child or your spouse or the person you're dating or your job, here's what you need to understand. You're putting weight on that person or that thing and it cannot sustain it. You're crushing them. Some of you are killing your kids because you are putting all your hopes and dreams on them. Some of you are ruining your marriage because you're putting all your happiness, you're basing everything that you need on that spouse, and that spouse cannot carry that weight. Your job can't, your health can't, nothing can. God alone has the eternal power to provide the help that you need, can provide the salvation that you need. And here's the good news. Hope has come to help. And if we will believe in this one who has come, Jesus Christ, we have his help and his help is what we need, but we have to have faith. We have to believe in him. And so what we see in our text today is we see what God has called us to have faith in so that we can enjoy God's help. Three things I want to encourage you to write these down. First is this. God helps those who believe his promises by faith. We have to believe his promises by faith. Now, that says in the text, if you look with me in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel. Now, this word helped, it means to lift up, to to pick up one who has fallen. And Israel at this point had fallen. You think about the historical reality that they reside in. At the time when Jesus came, there had been 400 years of silence. There are many who lost faith. Not only that, but the the political... the, the whole political thing was just tough. You think about it. They'd gone from being under the, the Persians to the Greeks to the Seleucids to the Maccabees, and now they're under the Romans who don't care anything about them. They've got a puppet king in Herod who's putting taxes on them. He doesn't care about them. And, and the religious world that they're in, they, they've got division. They don't know who's telling the truth. And so here now is this painful, dark, depressing world. And God has now come. And, and, but notice the tense of the verb. This is important. He has helped. That that is what is called a prophetic past. Mary is singing a song about something that has already happened that hasn't happened yet. Don't forget, although this is a New Testament story, Mary is singing this song under the old covenant. Jesus Christ has not died for sins yet. He has not been raised. The old covenant still stands. She is singing about something that is going to happen, but she's singing about it as though it has already happened. Why? Because when God says something's going to happen, it's already happened. Because when God says it, it already is. 
God promised that he would bless the whole world through Israel. Now here Israel is in this fallen condition with this scattered nation, these broken people. But God is a promise-keeping God. And we can believe his promise because of what he did here with Israel. Let's not forget. Let me give you just some quick history. I would love to spend five hours, and I know you would too, walking through the Old Testament redemptive history leading up to Jesus. But let's just look at what the text says. Okay, the text says here, he has helped his servant Israel. What is he talking about? Understand it began with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verses two and three. God said this to Abraham. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And look at this. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is the promise that God gave Abraham. He said, I am going to bless you, and through your family I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. Well, you guys know the story. He turns almost a century old and still no kids. Have you ever seen a person who's almost 100? They don't look like they're in the mood to make children, do they? I mean, it doesn't seem like that's a real interest at that point. And so he says to, to God, you know, God, what's the deal? And God says, I, I can keep my promise, Abraham. I can keep my promise. And he did keep his promise. And, and what I love about this promise is what Abraham did is exactly what he, there was laughter. God gave him laughter. You know, the name Isaac means laughter. God gave him Isaac. And Isaac was a, was a part of the piece of the completion of God in keeping his promise. But look what God promised Isaac. What is it? In Genesis 26. Again, this is to Isaac. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all the lands. And look at this. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Same promise. Abraham... I'm going to promise you, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Isaac, I'm going to promise you. And so what does Isaac do? He has Esau and Jacob, Jacob who becomes Israel. God makes the same promise to Israel. We read about it in uh, Genesis 28, 14. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you, look at this, and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now again, we could walk all the way through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. We could, walk through the, we could walk through all the patriarchs. We could walk through the prophets. And we could see over and over again the promise of God to Israel, the promise of God to bless the whole world. He kept that promise. That's what Jesus is talking about in John 3, 16 and 17. You know this one, but think about what it says in the context of the promise to Israel. God so loved the world. The blessing is to the families of the earth, to the all the peoples of the earth that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Friends, this is the gospel. And here's the good news. Jesus wasn't plan B. This is what good God determined before the creation of the world. God promised that he was going to bless the whole world through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And God kept that promise. And so when we see in the text, when he says he has helped his servant Israel, what she's saying is God has kept his promise. He has provided for the very thing he said he would provide for. He is going to provide salvation to all who believe. And here's the good news. If we will believe, we will be saved 
and we will be guided. We will be eternally loved. We will have eternal peace. We will have eternal joy. We will have eternal life in Jesus Christ. What do you need today? I'll tell you what you need. I haven't been reading your emails. I don't have any kind of security clearance, but here's what I know about you today. You need to know that you are loved, loved, and you need to know that your life matters. Here's the fact of the matter. If you believe those two things and you knew those two things, you can get through anything. Here's the good news. You are eternally loved by God, and he proved it by sending his son to die for your sins. And your life matters. You say, oh, my life doesn't matter. I, I haven't made anything... Your life matters because God gave his son to pay for your life. Don't you ever say your life doesn't matter. Your life is worth the blood of God. Don't ever forget it. You say, well, I haven't done much. None of us have compared to what God has done. And what God has done means that we matter. If you can believe that, if you can believe that promise, you have hope. And if you have hope, then you have all the help you need. Second thing, write it down is this. God helps those who receive his mercy by faith. The reason why God kept his promise was not because Israel deserved to have him keep his promise. Israel deserved justice and judgment. God should have wiped them off the earth, planet of the earth many times. He should have wiped them off the face of the planet many times, but he didn't. Why? Because of his mercy. It says in our text, in remembrance of his mercy. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. It wasn't because Israel deserved to be helped. It's because God was merciful. Over and over, God says this in Deuteronomy 7, 8 through 9. They're, they're coming out of Egypt. God has rescued them. Look what he says. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Why would God say this? Because Israel deserved it? No, because of mercy. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Now don't miss this either. What a powerful statement. The Lord your God, he is the one true God. The faithful God, he is faithful and keeps a covenant and steadfast love. That's the word Kadesh. That's the covenant promise love that he will not lie. He keeps his promises with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. What is God saying? He's like, he says, guys, I saved you not because you deserve to be saved, but because I'm merciful. I'm saving you because I made a promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that I would bless the whole world through them. And because I'm a promise-keeping, a steadfast, loving God, I have rescued you. It's because of mercy. Friends, that's good news. That's good news because here's the deal. God and what mercy is is not getting what you deserve. We don't get what we deserve, not because we've earned a pass, but because God is merciful. The reason you and I can have hope and the reason why we can receive God's help is not because we deserve it, but because God is merciful. Psalm, what is it? Psalm 98.3, this applies to us. He has remembered his steadfast love, that Kadesh, that covenant love, that covenant promised love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. What God is doing and what God has done is he has been merciful to all who will believe, who will receive his mercy. God gives us this not because we deserve it, 
God is, this, this faith we have, this Christianity, this thing, it is different than all other world religions. It's different than our economy. It's different than the philosophy of, of, of Santa. See, the world religions teach this. All other world religions, other than Christianity, teach. You get what you deserve. Do good things, you'll get good things. That's what all world religions teach. What, what does Santa teach? What's his philosophy? <laughs> you, you get what you deserve. What's the economy say? Work hard, you get honest aid's work, honest gates wages. You know what God says? I'm not gonna give you what you deserve. Because what we deserve is death and punishment. God doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, he gives us mercy. And here's really good news. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13, it's the word of God. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Now don't misunderstand that. That doesn't mean that there are not consequences for our sin and our faithlessness, because there are. And if you're not being faithful to God, there are gonna be consequences for your sin. But here's the thing, here's the thing that this, this should help you sleep at night, it helps me. God's mercy does not depend upon my faithfulness. God is bigger than me. That's what that means. God is bigger than you. You cannot overcome God with your behavior. God's mercy is bigger than you. And his mercy is steadfast. His love is great. There's, there's nothing bigger than it. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so we need to understand, God's will is to be merciful. And God's will is that we join him. If we don't want to, if we refuse to, God's gonna keep on going. God's gonna keep on doing his thing. He invites us to join him, to understand that he's gonna keep his promise, to receive his mercy, and to enjoy his help. And there's a reason why we can do that. It's not because we are so great. It's because he is so great. And the fact that he never changes. If you want God's help, you got to understand this. God helps those, write it down, who trust his character by faith. This lack of trusting in the character of God is what got this world in the situations that it's in now. Adam and Eve did not trust the character of God, and so they sinned. Satan came and said, oh, did God really say? He won't really. Oh, God's just trying to keep you from being happy. You need to eat this because then you'll be really happy. Every time we sin, understand what we're doing. We're questioning the character of God. We're saying, God, I can't believe in you. I can't trust you. Because you're trying to keep from me what'll really make me happy. You know, you're, you're trying to keep from me what I really need. Friends, that's a lie. The only thing we can trust truly is God himself. And the reason why is because he doesn't change. Look what the text says in verse 55. This mercy that comes because of the promise, it says, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Look who that includes. First of all, to the fathers, to the patriarchs. It also includes to Abraham, and then it includes everyone else. Make sure I'm saying this right. It says to his offspring, who is it? Where is it? Can you say that word? What is it to his offspring? Say it out loud. To his offspring. Okay, you're not looking at the text. Okay. It's forever, so just say it out loud with me. Saying. To his offspring. That includes us. 
That means that the God who spoke to our forefathers in Abraham is the same God who speaks to us. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. We can count on him. Do you know this one? This is, this is one of those verses that when you're studying the book of Hebrews that you might miss if you're not paying close attention because you're reading all these blessings and then, and then there's just kind of, this is just thrown in there. And if you, if you don't look at it, you might miss it. Hebrews 13, 8, you know this one? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The same God who dealt with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is the same God who deals with us. And he doesn't change. His character doesn't change. He is always holy. He's always just. He's always gracious and merciful. He's always right. He's never wrong. And because of that, we can always trust him. Think about someone or something you trust. Other than God, think about something. See, I, I, have, I have this Jeep, right? I've had it for 11 years, and I trust it. I don't know how it works. I take a key, I put it in, and it turns, and the engine comes on. And it doesn't even require my key. This is crazy. I've been meaning to do this. For whoever was at um, 24 Hours Workout anytime when I stole your keys, I'm very sorry. Here's the deal. I grabbed someone else's key, put it in my Jeep, and it started my Jeep. <laughs> it's not even particular, right? Loves everybody. This is a great Jeep. But you know what? It's going to let me down one day. One day it's not going to start. One day I'm going to need to be somewhere. It's going to let me down. And one day, you know what it's going to be? It's just going to be a scrap of metal. You know why? Because it's changing. It doesn't have the power to provide what I need eternally. No created thing does. Not your kids, not your spouse, not your friends, not your date, not your job, not your money, not your health, not your looks, not your government, not anything. Everything else is changing. One will not change. God Almighty. He keeps his promises and he keeps them because he's merciful. And he will be merciful to anyone who believes and you can count on it because he doesn't change. He will never abandon you. He will always be the God you need. He will always guide you in truth. He will always love and care about you. Always, for all of eternity. So let me ask you, what do you need help with today? I asked you at the beginning of the service today to be thinking, what do you need help with? I asked it already knowing the answer. And I haven't been reading your emails, I promise. You need to know that you are loved and that your life matters. Only God can do that for you. You need to know you're loved. How much are you loved? You are so loved that God died for you. And if you will ask him, he will forgive you. And he will live in you and love you forever. You say, well, my life doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Every problem you face right now, God has a plan for it. He's got something that he wants to do through this. The question is, will you trust him and will you let him help you? Or are you going to try to fight him? Are you going to turn away from him and run? You're going to try to figure out your own way. You're going to try to help yourself. Friends, don't do it. Let me tell you what you need to do today. 
You need to ask God to be your help. You need to ask him to help you. Now look, you have a particular thing. It's something significant. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's something that's going on in your life that no one else knows about. But here's, listen, God knows. And he alone can help you. And he will because he promised he would, because he's merciful, and because he never changes. And if you'll ask him, he's right here. Why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him to forgive you and live in you and love you? Why don't you ask him to see you through whatever challenge it is you're facing? Why don't you ask him? Let's stand together as we pray. Father God, as we come into this moment where we can ask you for help, I pray that some will. I know that in this room that there's not a single person who is here that doesn't need your help in some way. And Lord, I know that there's some that we're think, we, I know I think this way, God. I think one of two ways. Either I think, oh, it's just me. It's not worth asking. It's not a big deal. It's just me. And your word says, you're worth my blood. You matter. Ask. And then there is on the other side is, this is too big. I, I need a miracle. This, this, this can't be done. And I have to remember Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Lord God, I pray that right now that whatever is on the hearts of some who would say this is a big thing, that they would be able to understand that you're bigger and that God, everything is small to you. And there's nothing you cannot do that is according to your will. You have given us your promise. There is mercy and there is in you the character of a consistent, gracious, loving, powerful God that we can count on. So Lord, you are our help. You're our only help. You are our hope. You're our only hope. So would you hear those today who would come and say, God, I need you. As we sing of this wondrous mystery, oh God, would you help those who ask, who have faith in you, who believe and by faith are now seeking you and your strength and your help. God, hear them now in Jesus' name, amen.